This episode of Converge with my guests Jen and Omar from thesearethings.com is sponsored by Fast Track Creative. For more information, check out fasttrackcreative.com. Converge is my chance to connect with creatives who make really interesting things, and when they can, profit from those things, often in ways that might surprise you. My background as a photographer and author gets me in conversations with visual storytellers and writers, but also musicians, actors, business and thought leaders, basically people who work very hard, not just to make a buck, but also to make a point. The invitation is to understand a little more of the context that surrounds their work, and hopefully discover a fresh perspective that might inspire something new around the value you're making in the world. When I have a chance to have conversations with creative people that don't just make things, but make money from those things, I'm always inspired. They take us in directions that are surprising. Because in my experience, at least, when someone comes up with a big idea and they make good on that idea by sharing it with others in clever ways, uh, it rarely comes out the same way twice. My guests today are Jen and Omar of These Are Things and the Making It blog. And these folks, as you'll find out pretty quickly, are the kind of people that you'd want to hang out with at a cocktail party. You're going to want to find a corner and put your earphones on and connect because they are real people. They're the kinds of people that you could see yourself being like if only you had the courage to step out and do it. You really do have to return to that place of peer creation. You really do have to turn inward and look there for kind of that, that spark again to be able to keep creating stuff. I'm your host, Dane Sanders, and I want to welcome you to Converge. So, Jen and Omar, uh, welcome to Converge. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. So, I want to start our conversation really around you and what you've made. Uh, Your background, as I understand it, is you met each other uh, at art school and design school, and that you were not just interested in learning how to make art, you were interested in extending it, like jumping from the foundation of what you were learning and going doing something new. So tell me just briefly what your what got you to this moment. Wow. It's been a long process. It's been a bunch of accidents, I feel like, which is kind of exciting in a way. I feel like anytime you try something, you never really know where it's going to go. And for us, I mean, meeting was kind of a happy accident. I mean, I, I always knew I wanted to go to art school. And yeah. I was, that was kind of a whim. On a whim, I decided to go. I, he, I spent like months preparing <laughs> to like get in and really like really do it. And he just like drove up from Cincinnati one day and was like, <laughs> I guess I'll apply here. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's his style though. Yeah. So and then, and, and uh, Jen would never pay me any attention during school <laughs> either. I had to, actually like a year out of school where I finally got her to go, go out with me one time. <laughs> So it was a After lot of per- so persist- much, yeah, a lot yeah. of persistence. And I feel bad now. <laughs> I, I was just, I, I was not going to date. I was just, I was just over it, but, but he won me over. And so we started spending more time together and eventually and, we started making art together. Yes. Yeah, so being both artists, we decided to have little art projects together, which, which were fun. And one of those was, um, we started traveling too. So we made a, a map for ourselves to kind of track our travels. Yeah. And it, I mean, it all just kind of blossomed from there. I mean, we, we started making more and more things together and put yeah. them out into the world. Yeah. When we made that first map, we um, had to get 50 printed because that was the minimum for a production run. 
And so we put the rest of them up online and they sold out almost instantly. We sold out, oversold actually, and kind of started this kind of accidental business. Yeah, that was four years ago. Yeah. Wow. Believe it so, or not. And that was on These Are Things, right? So yes. if, if people want to stay in tune with the way we're talking right now, they'd probably have a second window open at thesearethings.com and they're already reading about you and they're going, wow, they're quirky and they're cute. And uh, <laughs> I wonder what's going on with these people. But but I'm struck by even in that first kind of story was you both had ambitions to make something. You found each other, you fell in love, you start making something together. And at first I got a little sweaty, like, is that what the cool kids call it these days? They make, <laughs> they make things, you know, <laughs> I'm a little nervous. But you, you started to make stuff and, and then without really a significant following, you get 50 transactions plus right out of the gate and pretty quickly. What do you attribute that to? Because that's that sounds daunting to me. Like even, even in the age of the internet, even though the internet is awesome, increasingly the internet makes people feel invisible too uh, yes. because there's so much competition. What do, what do you attribute? I mean, it obviously it was great and people shared, but I'm, I, say more. I can attribute it to one one email, single email, <laughs> one email that was thrown together on a Sunday night. Uh, we put up a, a one page website with a PayPal button uh, at the time. That's how we decided to like share this with the world. And we were pretty excited about it. We thought it was cool. We thought, you know, at least we'll sell these extras that, that we have. Maybe if we're lucky. Maybe if we're lucky. <laughs> I, exactly. thought, I didn't think we were going to sell any of them. <laughs> he wanted to sell them for like $10. I was like, maybe we can sell them for a little bit more, you know, make our, make our costs back or whatever. But we were sitting there on the Sunday night, and I, um, at the time, and I still do, read a lot of blogs, design blogs, art blogs. And, you know, there are tons of people. The Internet is big, but there are people that kind of rise to the top in terms of being tastemakers or yeah. people that, that really kind of influence others in a way that— Like curators. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. I mean, these are people who— kind of troll the internet for us and pick out the best bits. And then all we have to do is kind of look to see what they've found. And that can kind of help us drill down and find other things that we like as well. So, I mean, we were sitting there on a Sunday night, like I said, and we got our one page website up and I was excited. And I thought, oh, I wonder if Grace from Design Sponge, a, a big design blog, um, might like our map. So I've been reading her blog for a couple years. I fired off an email. It literally said it was like three sentences and Hey, Grace. We made something. We made something cool. I love your blog. I thought you might like this. Go check it out. And that was it. We sent next, it off. The next day, it got on that blog. and The next day, she posted it. And I don't know what her readership was at the time, but, I mean, today it's hundreds of thousands of people a day come to her website mm -hmm. um, to check out the latest in the kind of decor and design world. And it was that single post on one design blog that launched our entire career as independent artists. It was amazing. Okay, so I, I want to break this down because I know if there are listeners like me who heard that story right now, there's a lot of different interpretations that could come from that. Like, for example, someone might hear that and go, okay, so the, the magic trick is, <laughs> is to get picked, right? Is yes. to find someone and, and cajole them, manipulate them, you know, <laughs> but, but you're not saying to just get picked because there's a lot more that goes into it. Cause if I, if I am grace from design sponge, I'm, and I have that kind of readership, you're not the only email she got that day. No like way. She's getting gazillions day. of these, right? Yep. Exactly. So, so the chances of getting picked are so low unless something is in place. What is that thing? It was, it was mainly when we made that map, it was something we made for ourselves first and foremost. Like I didn't care if we sold any of them. I just wanted something that looked nice, that, 
was a map. And we, um, and so it came from kind of that kind of pure creative place of saying, like, this is something that I would hang up on my wall because we, we, we did. I think that's where a lot of people kind of get lost to where they think about kind of, oh, what's going to sell the best or, you know, blue does better in like this area or. Yeah, you can really try to engineer it. But for us, that's why we get a kick out of it to this day. I say that we accidentally started a business because we did. It, it didn't come from a, from a, a sales perspective that the original act of creation mm. was pure. I mean, like Omar said, it was motivated only by our own desire to create something for ourselves. Mm. Even when I wrote the email to design sponge, I thought, you know, it would just be really cool if she looked at what we made, because I know she looks at so much stuff and I would really like yeah. to just hear what she had to say about it. We yeah. didn't ask to be featured. We didn't say it would be great if you put this up. I mean, no, that, that it was, was a true share. It was. And it, for us, I mean, we were two kids a year out of art school in the middle of Ohio. The only people who'd ever seen our artwork were like <laughs> our friends and our moms. You yeah. know what I mean? Like we, it was just, we thought it would be cool if someone else would look at it. And not and, just, not just someone else, but someone who you, you also saw as a peer, as a cult, like regardless of who, how many people are following or whatever, it, it's, it's what you said, Omar, that pure creative place that you were, you were kind of one calling out to a kin, uh, you know, she's part of the family. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, we always talk about this too, is that it was at that, it was actually, you know, getting picked was the easy part. I think the hardest part was these past four years is taking that initial spark and turning it into what it is now, mm. which is a lot of, it's a lot less probably exciting than that first spark, but it's, but it's where the, the business has, has grown. Uh-huh. Now the business has grown. And I want to just point out for our listeners some of the details that, that I understand to be so. Is it true that last year, 70 Nordstroms across the United States featured your products? Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, we were, it was our first big national kind of distribution deal. We walked into our local Nordstrom and saw our stuff there on the shelves. It was, it was crazy. It was cool, yeah. And 25,000 prints in the last four years out the door. Yeah, as best we can estimate. Yeah, the, fir the first year's <laughs> numbers are kind of muddy, but the uh, yeah we have numbers for the for the past three years and yeah, it's it's a that's a lot of art. <laughs> well, and to a lot of places like yeah, how many countries? I think it's over forty now. Forty now, yeah, last point. last count, yeah. I mean, we send stuff off around the world every week. It's it's fun getting to kind of mail our work to these distant corners of the globe, <laughs> especially with the kind of travel theme. And yeah, the it fits kind of adventure. Yeah. Well, I, I guess where, where I'd love to spend just a few moments talking is, is that, that ebb and flow between, okay, that spark moment, this is what I'm picturing in my head. You have the spark moment with grace, that pure creative place uh, that launches you into an opportunity. And if you think of like stages in a trajectory of someone's life uh, or like a rocket ship launching, like there's a stage where everything launches and then a piece falls off and you got to launch again and you got to launch again and you got to launch again. And with each of those, I'm wondering if you could talk about what your process is to get back to that pure creative place and not to, not to, in the momentum of your last trick that seemed to work, to not want to just replicate that over and over and over again. Well, I think the reason we don't try to replicate it again the same way is I don't think it's possible. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like a, a once in a lifetime kind of confluence of factors that, uh -huh. that makes something work or not work. And it, for us, like you said, it, you really do have to return to that place of 
peer creation. And for us, that means we go out and travel. Um, it means that we turn off the internet and just create stuff for a couple weeks at a time. Um, you really do have to turn inward and, and look there for kind of that, that spark again to be able to keep creating stuff. Because in a business like this, you do have to keep creating. Yeah. I mean, every day we're creating new stuff. And to not be so hung up on maybe the last super win or the last big loss, just kind of keep on moving forward wherever that kind of t takes you. Do you mean even designifying the highs and the lows? Not necessarily designifying, learning from them, of, of, of course, but realizing that, you know, you're... Not getting too attached, yeah, I that's, think, that's is what it point. is. Yeah. I, like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's wild to walk into a bookstore and see our work on the cover, but in a way, I'm just kind of like really chill about it. I mean, it's yeah. not like I'm... I, I had an excited moment for sure, but I think you just have to... Kind of be on... Be, be moving. Like Take it, it all in stride. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it, just the same as when we release something and it doesn't work or we have something in our business that, that fails or we get rejected from something. I mean, it's upsetting, but we just kind of move on. I, I, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Oh, it, it tremendous uh, resonance for me in terms of, you know, moments when, you know, where I, uh, um, I'm nervous to say this because I'm not trying to align with your, what, these really significant accomplishments that you've done. But what, what I'm struck by in my own experience is, um, moments when I've tried to get identity from a high becomes really, I feel like crap when that high has gone, like my identity has <laughs> right. gone. Like, really? Like <laughs> yeah. that's lame. It's not meant to be where identity lives, you know? Uh -huh. and, and, and yet what I'm also hearing and what you're describing, which is I think really encouraging both for me and for hopefully our listeners is this idea that what comes with the territory are moments when you're on the cover of how magazine and moments where no one knows you exist or cares right. <laughs> like yeah. they both are part of it. So, you know, if, if that's water to a fish or, you know, that's, these are the kind of realities to a, a creative, especially a professional creative, meaning someone who's trying to make money with the stuff they make. It, <sighs> it just seems like, you know, why are we spending so much time talking about the water? Like <laughs> right. it's just, there's other stuff to do. Is yeah, that, right. is that a fair understanding? Yeah, I, mean, I think, again, too, the way we kind of worded, we showed like a graph where you saw the points, the high points and the low points. You're not any, you're not your high point. You're not your low point. You're that the line that connects them. You're the you're the sum of all the parts. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all part of it. So when when something great happens, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. And then I keep making stuff. If something yeah, yeah. bad happens, I'm like, oh, this sucks. And then I keep making stuff. I mean, the only constant for us is yeah. that creativity. And and we all know that creativity comes and goes. I mean, I think if you're an artist, there's you're always kind of fighting with it a little bit. Like, uh -huh. is it there? Is it not? And, um, when, and when you mix in the business part of it, too, it gets even trickier because it's like, oh, I feel really creative. But all of a sudden it didn't sell very well. So what does that mean? Or I don't know, uh -huh. or something you maybe weren't as crazy about all of a sudden it's a great seller. I don't know. It's yeah, it's always something new every day. <laughs> I feel like it's 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 ever evolving yeah. the whole process. I'm curious, uh, you know, what you guys and I have a common friend in Chris Gillibo and in a moment, we're going to have a chance to talk specifically about that relationship and some fun things that have come out, out from it. But I'm also curious about this, this mysterious grace lady from Design Sponge. <laughs> and, and, and not just she, but also, or not just her, but also the, the kind of fraternity that you have found yourself in, like your, who you see as colleagues and their influence on your day-to-day -day work. Talk a little bit about influences and, and not just kind of like people that are iconic and out of touch, but more the, the, the real influences, the people that you kind of bump into. And as a result, your work gets better. 
I mean, the internet's incredible. I mean, we're talking to you like across the country. It's amazing. We have this connection now. As we were working on a project with Chris, which we'll talk about in a moment, we got the opportunity to make connections with creative business people all over the world. The world, yeah. And these are people that we had already connected with through Twitter or just through kind of running in the same circles of people living their creative lives online. And it, it was just, it's incredible to be able to connect with these people. We're all doing such different things, but at the, at the core of it, we're all creative and we're all being creative for a living, which I think puts us in this, like, I know there's a lot of similarities there. So it's been, I mean, it's been incredible to be able to connect and share each other's successes and help each other along. I mean, the community as a whole, the, the kind of art, design, illustration community, I'm sure photography is similar. Mm -hmm. It's everyone's so willing to help, so willing to kind of give each other a leg up because I feel like we're all kind of in this together. Mm. Even though we may do slightly different things, we're all, we're all trying to make it as artists, as people, as creatives. So yeah, we love the internet. We get, we get to have friends all over the world. It's great. It's, it's an interesting to me when I think about um, that, again, this kind of ebb and flow metaphor of the one minute you are turning inward and shutting the internet off so that you can become creative. And then relationally, I'm hearing you, you know, sing the praises of the connectivity that comes with it. Yes. Uh, how do you do that dance? Oh my gosh. It's a balancing act for sure. <laughs> I think, um, I, I don't know. We all, I don't know how, how anyone else does it, but for us, we have kind of times where we're making a whole lot of stuff and then we kind of transition into more of a promotion or, or an outreach kind of kind of phase. So for us, it again goes in a cycle of where we're really active and, and, and reaching out. I, and I think that's creativity too. I think it is. even when we work on our own personal stuff, like sometimes it's really flowing and you just can turn off everything. You can put on some music and just draw or do whatever. Uh -huh. um, and sometimes it's just not so... We can just go online and go on Instagram or something. <laughs> yeah, we can just, <laughs> just look at pretty pictures all yeah. day. One significant milestone in your career was when you were featured in The $100 Startup by Chris Gillibo. And yes. in that, well, I guess just tell us about that experience. How did you end up connecting with him? And what did you learn through the process of being featured? What did you learn about yourself? through the process of being seen from his perspective and being articulated from that third party? Well, it was, it was really funny. Uh, me and Jen are both familiar with his work generally. I mean, I think read his blog. Um, you for know, years, for, yeah. For years, yeah. We, we, we both read Art of Nonconformity and both really liked it. And then he put out one day, uh, we followed him on Twitter too. On Twitter, yeah. yeah and one go. day he put out a call for his next book and he had, some que he had a questionnaire and John was like, oh, I, I want to try to answer these questions. I spent I, like two or three days on these questions. And I, was, I was like, I'm going to give the best answer. I spent so much time writing them. Yeah. He was like, what are you I was like, doing we have, over we have, there? We have tubes to, we have, we have prints to, to, to roll. We have, we have more important things to be doing than taking the second long shot. And Jen's like, no, no, trust me. And then after those questions came more questions and then more questions and more questions. We kind of made it to the next round every uh -huh. time. And before we knew it, we were a case study in the $100 startup. And it was... Wow. It was wild. It's like, a very strange feeling. I was, um, <laughs> we got the, he had like an, like an advanced copy or something. I don't uh -huh. know what it's called. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was going on a trip with a friend to Europe. And so I was on a beach in Croatia when I cracked it open 
and saw our story there. It was like at the beginning of a chapter and it was completely surreal. Wow. It was so bizarre to be reading. And it, I read it and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's what happened. Like, that's <laughs> what we did. It's, it's not like it's not real. Um, I don't know. It was, it was wild. And to connect with someone like Chris, who, who could give us an outside look at what we had done. I had really never stopped to think about what it is that we had created because we had been so wrapped up in the process of starting it and making it go and, and furthering it along that, I don't know, it was really neat to be able to step back and, and kind of see it from someone else's perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it, it's funny. Uh, you guys are the second case study that I've, I've known. Um, Brett Kelly over at Evernote is another oh, cool. Kind oh, cool. of character and he's local. So we've had a chance to connect a couple of times. And, and what I'm noticing is in all cases, there's a very kind of organic nature to getting from A to B and like certainly learning stuff, learning things along the way. But I think, you know, you mentioned folks who are tastemakers on some level. That's what that exercise was. It seems in my mind as Chris was deciding, he's kind of vetting out who are the people we want to put on display as the kinds of things that you like, there's, there's some magic in here that is entirely unique. There's a germ in each of them that's <laughs> unique yet. There are common patterns that have come out of all of them when it's gotten played out. So they all had a big idea, but the big idea played out in ways that were in many ways predictable and, and yeah. not necessarily burdensome where people could do a lot with a little, I'm wondering if you could talk just a little bit about, um, you know, I heard the beginning story of the 50 prints and then the break, and then as things started emerging, but there's this big gap in between where uh, something happened between you and Nordstrom's, and, and <laughs> there's a lot of the story in right. between there. <laughs> right, and and I what I love the reason this is all actually just preamble to say this is um, you've captured a lot of this information, and you've made a guide out of it that other people could access. And talk a little bit about this designed to sell product uh, that you've created for Chris over at art of nonconformity. Well, that's kind of one of those kind of funny things that happened too. Um, after the hundred dollars started came, came out, he was doing his, his book tour and he's going to stop by Dayton. And we said, don't stop by Dayton, stop by Columbus. We're in Columbus. We can set this whole thing up for, we can get a, a venue and everything. So he said, sure, why not? And, um, he stopped by there and it was, and it was a fun, a, a really fun one event. My mom came, brought a bunch of food. <laughs> it was funny. Um, but afterwards we had dinner with him and we said, you know, we should, really work, work on something. Yeah. He said, what's next? Yeah. So what are we doing next? And wow. Omar and I looked at each other and for the entirety of our business, really from that first day, we put our stuff online. There have been a, a running list of things. We said, if only we had known, yeah. hmm. if only someone had told us, if only we had known yeah, this. Things that would save us thousands of dollars or maybe a few nights of sleep or, or time <laughs> or I just huge blundering mistakes that we've made along the way that yeah. we said there, there has got to be some way that we can compile all of this information. And at the same time, going back to connections, we kind of started our business at the same time as a lot of other artists who have kind of become our peers and friends. And so we thought, I mean, if you got all of us together virtually in a room and looked at everyone's experience, I'm sure everyone has those things that they wish they would have known. Mm -hmm. um, so we told Chris, we've got to write a guide for artists, something for artists, designers, illustrators, people who want to, like we said, they, they don't want to work a nine to five and do their art on the side. They don't want to work at a design studio making ads for, you know, vending machines or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, so if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I, I would like that, please. Could you save me thousands of 
uh, hours and dollars uh, so that I could actually make good on this dream I have in my heart that I've I've always been a little bit too scared or too limited or feeling too busy or, you know, whatever, insert excuse here. Uh, we're going to include some links here so people can have access to it. But I guess in retrospect, can you just give us a couple tips like what in writing and writing it out and, and putting it, giving the structure of what you've been living out now for a number of years and making it uh, accessible for people, give someone, give folks just a little taste of the kinds of things they could anticipate getting as a result of, of getting the guide. Well, we, throughout the process of writing it, we not only really dove into our own experience, but we also interviewed over 20 other successful creative business owners. And these are people, jewelers, printmakers, people who make bags, t-shirts, apparel, someone who teaches online um, paint, digital painting classes, people that not only do make amazing work, of course, but they it's their living. Right, they make a living doing it. And so we were able to kind of compile all of this information um, and really get a lot of varied perspectives. So what we've done is we've laid out everyone's advice from the very first stages. So it's that point where you're sitting there and, and maybe people listening to this can relate. I mean, it, it was us four years ago, sitting in our studio, looking at our art saying, I know that we can do this. I know that this can be our career. I know that this is what I want to do with my life, but I'm not sure what, what, like the first step how to make yeah. it happen. Because it is scary. I mean, there's no, there's been no roadmap. There wasn't a roadmap when we started. We kind of had to just figure it out by trial and error. And so what we've done with this guide is put together a step-by-step -step program, really a plan for achieving creative freedom the freedom to make a living with your art, the freedom to create the type of work that you want to make, not the type of work that someone else tells you to make. So it's really, it's awesome. It's everything from coming up with your big idea all the way down to the very, like, uh, the like, technical the Yeah, setting up parts. a business account and, you know, stuff to get, to get a good foundation going and then stuff like shipping and... E-commerce, fulfillment. Yeah. yeah. All the nitty-gritty. Every, all the, everything, yeah. all those little details that... I are probably staring people in the face right now and they're getting really overwhelmed because that's how we felt. <laughs> well, it's so funny. What's occurring to me as you're talking is I'm, I'm picturing several, it feels like hundreds, if not thousands of conversations I've been terrified to be in over the years with people who are overwhelmed, but crazy at the same time. And, <laughs> you know, they have a day job, they hate their day job. They have a dream and they're a little bit insane because they're really thinking, I'm going to quit my day job. I'm going to risk uh, giving up my mortgage. I'm going to risk <laughs> uh, putting my family out on the streets because I have a dream, right? Yeah. And, and what a dumb idea. Like, <laughs> buy the guide first and make sure you really want to go do this. <laughs> yes. Uh, and in that regard, I, I just, I, I'm so glad you made this because it's the kind of thing I want to put in people's hands and say, if this is the litmus test. Run, run your dream through this. And if you don't have the guts to go through this, you won't have the guts to make it in the real world anyways. Right. Is, is that a fair assertion? It is. I mean, in the guide, we talk about how there's a, a spectrum of creative enterprise. You start out just creating for the sake of creating. You're not worried about selling it. You might have another job that enables you to be creative on the nights and weekends. Um, and for some people, that's a really beautiful place to be. I mean, I know that even us running a successful business, we have days where we wish we were just scooping ice cream for a living so that we could just make not whatever. have to worry yeah. about yeah, make whatever. the business stuff and yeah. make the craziest, most conceptual art that we can think <laughs> of. But on the other end of that spectrum is relying on your art for your livelihood, which comes with its own set of challenges for sure. But a lot of people we interviewed, they have 
if, if families they have kids and they do. it is it is a risk every day. It's stressful. You do have to be a little crazy, but I think I want people to to realize that there's it is a spectrum. Every creative business is structured differently. Out of all the people we've talked to, no two businesses were exactly alike in the way that they were structured. And that's really cool because it means that you can design your business like a piece of art to fit into your life however you need it to. So yeah, there, there's, a, there's a degree of craziness involved, absolutely. But there's also a lot of flexibility, I think, that people may not see from the outside. I love that because what you're basically inviting people into is to mitigate risk by being more methodical in their approach. Yes. And, and that's what smart people do. Like <laughs> even crazy artists, uh, yes. the art is crazy, but they're not. And they put them and, and the ones that, that aren't methodical, it seems like a lot of them, you know, they're, they're why we have the starving artist complex, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they, they didn't take the time to kind of just go, okay, yeah, I'd actually like to make my stuff, sell my stuff and, and not live on the streets of Cincinnati in the winter time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. That is the goal. Yeah. Well, um, for those of you who are listening, I really do hope you have a chance to uh, get to know these two. Uh, Jen and Omar are the kinds of people that really do exist in the real world. And they're the kinds of people you want to be around and emulate. And and thank thank goodness that guys like Chris Gillibo uh, went on the hunt to find you. Because I actually think the world is much better uh, because you're in it. And because now you're actually going one step further and inviting other people to to do the kinds of stuff that you're doing likewise. It's really encouraging to me and I know for our listeners. So thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, thanks, Thank Dan. you so much. This is a lot of fun. How, how can people get a hold of you if they want to track you down? I know uh, just really quickly, I'll just mention you're making it blog as well as these are things. But if they're going to type in an at symbol or a dot com symbol, where, where do they go? We are at These Are Things um, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all These Are Things. Um, our website is thesearethings.com, and our blog is makingit.co. And where else we are? And where else are we? Um, oh, the, the guide, if you want to check that out, that's at creativefreedomguide.com. Yep. Perfect. And we'll have links at the bottom of the show notes, too, so people have a chance to check that out as well. But whatever you guys do, uh, I do hope you get to know these guys better, and I hope they inspire you in your own process. This was episode 014 of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. FastTrackCreative.com is our home where you'll find past episodes, our Better Together creativity community, and a ton of other resources for artists looking to make a difference with their creations. Music today provided by TripleScoopMusic.com. Sound as good as you look. And a special thanks to Jenna Nomar for being with us. Please visit their website at thesearethings.com. As usual, I want to thank you for spreading the word about the show. When you leave questions and comments on the site and rate us on places like iTunes, we recognize that you caring enough to do that sort of thing is a really big deal, and we are grateful. That's it for now. I'm Dane Sanders, and I'll see you here next time. 